Hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities on Elm Street. <laughs> Welcome to our first ever episode. High five. Woo-hoo. All right, so today I want to tell a story that I always tell on my socials around this time of year. And it's a story I hold close to my heart because it's also very close to home. And by close to home, I mean it's, like, literally my home, home. (laughs) pretty much. Um, And it also ties in perfectly with our first ever episode and is a great introduction into what we're going to be doing because it's kind of how I got started with all of this. Um, So, yeah. Here we go. So, we're going to be talking about my tiny little village of Cannonsburg. This was in the early 1800s, and basically... Um, The white settlers came, of course. They came on a Native American trail. And the reason they found it was because they had actually, like, marked the trail with an axe in the tree as, like, the trailhead kind of thing. Mm. So the white settlers followed the trail, and they stumbled upon this land. At that time, there were about 25 families in this group of settlers. And sadly, they pretty much eradicated the entire like tribes that were here and as if that wasn't awful enough they didn't even have a graveyard to stand in their place or anything like that so probably lots of unmarked graves in this area right the land was divided up for the 25 families and my house just so happens to be one of the last original homes from that time era so as you can imagine, there's lots of old. lots of scary shit that happens here. She's right? got character. <laughs> Before it was called Cannonsburg, it was called Churchtown. There was a businessman in New York named LeGrand Cannon. He basically bought all of the land. He got with John Ball, who was an attorney. And John Ball helped him split up all of the lots for these 25 families. LeGrand Cannon gave the people of Cannonsburg which at the time was called Churchtown, gave um, them a small cannon. And the people of Cannonsburg renamed it Cannonsburg after the Grand Cannon. So they have this small little cannon. I mean, it wasn't super small. It's not (laughs) Not like like a trinket, (laughs) but it's it's a a decent-sized cannon. I don't know why I keep calling it a small cannon. It's a a cannon. Um, So then every year from then on, they host, like, a Independence Day parade. Ooh. And they shoot this cannon off as part of their celebration, right? Well, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, so I think it's, like, 35 years they do this without incident. But then all of a sudden, they shoot the cannon off, and it hits a 26-year-old in the leg. And it shoots his leg right off. I was thinking of, like... Me, a 26-year-old. I am 26 as well. Celebrating and all of a sudden... You just walk my by. My leg! Yeah. My leg! That's... It's awful. So, um... So, yeah. This 26-year-old, his name was Walter Tomsett. And his leg is blown off. So, um... He is immediately rushed into, like, a neighboring house. And they... They try to get a hold of a doctor. I mean, I don't really know how you would get a hold of a doctor back then, but... Right, because it's not like... They didn't have, like, phones or anything, but, um... 
And of course, the doctors back then would like do house visits. So they have to wait for this doctor on like his horse and buggy, I'm sure, to come and try to like, (laughs) to try and, you know, save his life. So during this time, while Walter is like bleeding out, um, the townspeople decide that they want to try to hide the cannon. Right. They stow it away in the middle of the night and it's never seen again. So that is the mystery behind Cannonsburg. And still, in 2022, the cannon has never been found. But how I came to know about all of this was there was, like, just a neighborhood boy, and he would walk in the woods, and he would find these small cannons, right? Like the little cannonballs, whatever, not the cannons. He would find cannonballs all over the woods on the property that his family owned. Interesting. So he kind of became obsessed with, like, trying to find this cannon. He, like, dedicates his entire life to finding it. That is right? a dedication. Yeah. Finding this cannon. Right. He was, I don't know why, but he was obsessed with it. He, like, goes abroad and he studies, like, how to locate things underground with dowsing rods. Like, he really gets into this. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, um, he finally thinks that he's located the cannon. And at this point, he's like an old man. So his entire life, he spent trying to figure out where it is. Like, And it's on his family's property is where he thinks it is. Um, he's like very convinced because he has like one of those machines that um, have like sonar locators or whatever, you know, like... like fishing Right, boats. right, where you can see underwater um, and you can see like the size of the object. So he has this machine and he's pointing it to the ground in this swampy area and it's telling him that there's something down there and that it's the exact same size that the cannon would have been so he gets an s like an s i can't say the word <laughs> excavation the, the <laughs> yes yes he gets an excavation crew uh, out there okay yep yep and they start digging and this is like a big deal back then i think this was in the 80s so oh, really? the 1980s not the 1880s <laughs> The 1980s, and they have, like, a news crew, and uh, it's a big deal. Like, there's newspaper clippings of it and everything. And he's digging and digging and digging, and he hits a natural spring, and the spring collapses all of the hard work that they've been doing. Oh, my gosh. So, um, he didn't have any money to move forward to continue to excavate this area. Well, he's busy searching how was he gonna make all the money so um right and uh he kind of just gives up he did pass away not ever knowing whether the cannon was really down there or not that man that was obsessed with finding the cannon was my great uncle and the land that he was convinced the cannon was on was my family's land Maybe we should reopen this case. <laughs> Maybe let's, we should go find the, the cannon. Ex- excavate. The, es- the excavator. <laughs> let's just start digging. Yeah. We'll get let's there. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's set up a GoFundMe. Maybe people can get behind it, you know? I think that's a great idea. But I honestly, I wonder, how much would something like that be worth nowadays? Well, do you know, like, where? I do. I know where it is. My dad brought me back there a few years ago, and um, 
I mean, it's just like in a swampy area. So the land that it was on is pretty much like a forest area behind the trailer park down the street. So um, they had like hiking trails and stuff back there. And if you kind of like get off the beaten path a little bit, you'll find... I mean, it's still, like, squared out from oh, where he really? had... Yeah, from where he had the crew there. Interesting. So. I wonder, like, if anyone's gone back with modern-day technology. We've come a long way from the 80s. I've, I feel like it's doable. Like, I really do. I honestly just think that, like, not many people know about it. Because there's not a lot of original, existing, yeah. like, families that still live in the area. Right. If that makes sense. Like, I, I didn't know about it until... Most people that I talk to, they don't know about it, but... Yeah. And it's crazy, too, because um, Walter, the 26-year-old... Right. He is buried in the cemetery right down the street. Like, you can actually go there mm-hmm. and see his, his team. It's, like, still has his name and everything. You can... Mm-hmm. Yep. Has his family name on it. Wow. But, yeah. And I don't think I mentioned that, that he did actually... Pass. Pass away from that. Yeah. That sucks. It's very tragic. My great uncle, like I said, he dedicated his entire life to trying to find this cannon. Um, there was one last surviving resident during that time that um, was still alive while he was like you know, in the on 80s? his search. Right. Okay. So um, I don't know if he made it to the 80s or not because this did happen in what. 1885. Hmm. So, um, I'm sure it was earlier than the 80s unless he lived to be 100 years old. Just possible. But, um, while he was searching for the cannon, he was doing research and he found out that one of the men who was in attendance that night at the 4th of July party, the celebration or whatever, um, was still alive. He went to interview this man And the man basically told him he had no comment, um, that they all swore to secrecy that night, and that he wouldn't be giving him any information about where it could be and who was involved. So the last last person alive that was involved was like, sorry, like... Yeah. Yeah. I pinky swore. (laughs) I pinky swore. I would never... (laughs) Hell of soul. <laughs> That's commitment for yeah. sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. I would not. And nobody was ever punished. They killed this 26 year old and nobody was ever punished because they couldn't they couldn't prove that they had done it. The, Even though all the, the weapon people... was gone. I mean, and let's be real, this was in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So I wonder, does he have family that still lives around here? I don't know. Hmm. It'd be worth looking into though. That would be interesting. Yeah. Or at least doing, like, his ancestry. Ooh. I should do that. Yeah. I have an account. (laughs) There you go. Does your uncle have any, like, did he leave a little, little folder with all of his notes? I, I think, honestly, that he, um, donated everything he had to the museum, which is literally, like, right down the street. Right. Um. Even, like, the little cannonballs that he found in the woods when he was younger, he donated those to the museum. And they're, oh, like, neat. in a little showcase. It's, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, but I do know that there was a man who was kind of, like, writing, um, I don't know, like, a little 
novel <laughs> about this whole experience. Oh, not um, your uncle. Not my uncle. Okay. No. Um, it was, I think it was somebody that was just helping him because um, I know for sure that the guy is a historian. Um, so I think that he was just like interested in figuring out like where the cannon what? was, right. whatever. Right. And just kind of like followed along and he wrote about it during that time too. And I never got to meet my uncle because again, this is my great uncle. Right. So he was... Um, he was a lot older. <laughs> Pretty badass, though. Yeah. Honestly. Like, I can't imagine. Like, what a, what? like, a cool legacy to leave behind. And Did he I, have a job? Was that, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about this man other than the fact that he was famous for trying to find the cannon. That's all I know. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the story. And, um, again, it kind of, like, ties in with all the spooky shit that happens here in this house. In your house. Right, because my house was built in the 1840s. So, it was around yes. during that time. During that time. And, uh, it's been through a lot. And how long has it been, like, in your family? Since the 1930s. Was my great-grandpa was the first one to move here from Missouri. It's like... 170-something years old, I guess. Oh, my word. Yeah. And I'm the fourth generation taking over on the house. Kind of a cool, like, thing to pass on. Yeah, I <laughs> wish I had a haunted An house An entire house. <laughs> with, full of, like, all of your old relatives' junk. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> So that's that's the little the little story, I guess. That's um how Canonsburg came to be. And it's it's crazy cuz you would drive through it and you would never ever imagine the horrors that took place. <laughs> well, really though. I mean, like I grew up not specifically in Canonsburg, but, right, but very too close. Far off, yeah. And like I would come to your house. Yeah, in high school. I, I'm like, Cannonsburg. So cozy. <laughs> so lovely and warm. How inviting. So inviting. Another thing that was cool, though, is getting my friend Melissa, who is a medium, a psychic medium. Ooh. She came here and did a walkthrough. That was really cool. And we should we should have her on here as a guest. When she came here, she said that somebody passed away in my bedroom. Hmm. obviously <laughs> instant red, red flag right because um the baby bassinet is like in my room i'm like oh that's lovely she was like have you ever heard like tapping coming from the other side of the wall or like something with the lights the lights flickering or whatever it was astounding because i was like you just described my entire childhood sleeping in this bedroom, right? She she picked up on quite a bit. What'd she say about, like, the tapping? Like, did she get specific? She just asked, like, now do you hear tapping mm-hmm. coming from the other side of the wall? And I was like, um, all the time, yeah. And I, ha- I have the video somewhere. I have to put it together, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very strange, like, especially because, um... Growing up, like, I used to sleep in a different bedroom. Right. But there were some very scary occurrences that 
kind of forced me to move out of that bedroom into the bedroom that I sleep in now. First thing that comes to mind. Spooky. Um, you think about it. Where do I even start? (laughs) I think, I mean, it's kind of a series of events. Like I remember probably the first ever instance of something that happened that I have memory of was Mm -hmm. probably when I was like four years old. Oh jeez. Um, but from the, like when I was a teenager, it was really bad. And my sister and her husband had moved back into the house. They ended up moving into my childhood bedroom that Mm. I just said that I moved out of because of scary things happening. So the one thing that, oh my God, the one thing that has stuck with me all these years that anytime somebody asks me for a spooky story, this is what comes to mind. Um, when (laughs) my sister used to work nights and her husband would like play video games, whatever with a headset on. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was this one night I left my bedroom door open while I was getting ready to go to sleep. And for some reason they had a they have a black cat and he was like obsessed with my bedroom. He would always go in there and hide under the bed. So I left my door open and I came back in and I shut the door and I was like, "Oh gosh, his name was Boogie, the cat." <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so I was like, "Oh god, Boogie's probably under the bed." So I go to lay down and something jumps onto the bed on my feet and within an instant is like sitting on my chest there's like this pressure on my chest and I was so scared I was probably 15 at this time I like pulled the blankets up over my face Mm -hmm. and I started screaming for my brother-in-law Joey and I'm just screaming his name over and over again remember he's like playing a video game with a headset on he's like playing call of duty or something I don't know um but I'm like screaming his name it's just me and him in the house And he finally hears me, and he comes rushing into the room, he opens the door, and I'm like, where is Boogie? You know, like, where's your Mm -hmm, cat? mm -hmm. He's like, Boogie's on the bed next to me, what is wrong with you? I'm instantly grab all my covers, I'm like, I'm sleeping in the living room. (laughs) Now, unbeknownst to me at this time, him and my sister were also having experiences in their room, and... So we all vouched to like sleep in the living room together. Now I'm like a 15 year old and they're like in their 20s. So we're all sleeping in the living room together. And um, at this point, like I would only go back into my room if I needed to like change my clothes. And we wake up one morning and Joey starts to tell me about this dream, like this repetitive dream that he kept having while he was sleeping in my childhood bedroom. Oh dear, okay. (laughs) And he's telling me this story, and he's saying, like, while he's sleeping, he keeps having this dream about um, a man that stands in the corner of the bedroom. This man is, like, dressed in a top hat, and, like, he's just a scary, like, shadow figure, right? While he's telling me this, I'm literally finishing his sentences for him. Because it is the exact same man that I used to have dreams about when I slept in that bedroom. So, instant tears. Like, I am freaked out at this point. And it wasn't the same day, but soon after that, I go into my bedroom just to get clothes, right? Right. And in my bedroom, there's, like, I mean, if you think of, like, we have eight-foot-tall ceilings or whatever... I have a closet door that is all mirrors. Mm. Great idea. (laughs) Yeah, not my choice. (laughs) Let me just state that real quick. 
my parents made a very bad design decision. <laughs> decision here. But yeah, so the entire closet door is a mirror. And I it's think about I remember that actually. Yeah, it's about eight foot tall. So I go into my bedroom to get some clothes and because my house is so old, we don't have like overhead lights in every room. Right. So I don't have a light in my room and there were only like two outlets that ever worked in there because I'm pretty sure like animals chewed through the wires. <laughs> so I had um like some white Christmas lights strung up around the ceiling just for lighting. Right. So I go into the room and um, I plug my Christmas lights in and I open my closet door. And as soon as I plug the lights in, I see all of these tiny little child-sized handprints all over the very top of my mirror. Now remember, this mirror is like eight foot tall, right? As soon as I saw that, I called my sister into the room and I'm telling her, like, you need to look at this. She puts her hand up to these these handprints. They're literally like half the size of her hand. Literally no. like child-sized handprints. So, um, and this, I mean, obviously this really freaked me out, but why that was so scary to me is because um, before my sister and brother-in-law had moved into the house, I had a child-sized rocking chair in the in the corner of my room. Another poor design <laughs> decision on my parents' part, but Typical. you have to remember that this is not my bedroom. This is like the guest room, basically, yep. that I'm sleeping in. So I didn't get to like change anything. Mm -hmm. So this child-sized rocking chair was found in the basement. Okay. Let's just move it <laughs> on up. <laughs> right. Cute design. Right, right. And so, um, and I mean, later on, I did some research on the chair, and it was made in the 1860s. So, well, yeah, that just adds to the spookiness, right? But, um, yeah, I basically, this chair was sitting in the corner of my room, and one night I, like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but one night, um, I kept hearing it's it's kind of hard to explain because you have to like really use your imagination here all right but I'm i have ready. these windows that are in the corner of my room mm -hmm. and they're really low setting windows and they have like trim on the bottom of them so it was like the the chair was like perfectly snug in the corner of this room okay with the like the very top of it right underneath the ledge where the window ends okay and like it's it's small Right. Yeah. It's not oh, just yeah. like a okay. Yeah. Child's it's like, rocking chair. Right. Right. Okay. It's it's probably like three foot tall. So and we still have it by the way. It's in the basement. <laughs> I'm sleeping one night and I keep hearing something and I just sit up in bed really quickly and I swear to God I see this rocking chair moving. Not only is it rocking it's getting stuck underneath the windowsill and pulling itself back out. Again, no. <laughs> this is just something I do when I get scared. I pulled the covers up over my face because, like, if, I, if like I don't see it, reaction. it doesn't exist, right? right. <laughs> so I'm, I literally called my dad on my cell phone. This is what's embarrassing. I called my dad on the cell phone because I was too scared to get you out know of I bed. Can get out. Yeah. There's no fucking way I'm getting out of this bed, bro. No way. Because I'm like, at this point, as soon as my feet touch the ground, I'm getting swept under by the demon. You're gone. I'm gone forever. You'll never hear from me again. Oh my god. 
So I call my dad on the cell phone. He's sleeping in the next room, by the way. (laughs) Um, He comes in and I tell him what's happened. And, you know, my dad, like his way of always comforting me was by saying like, oh, it's probably just your grandma or whatever. So the reason, I mean, obviously it's scary for anybody, but the Mm -hmm. reason that it really freaked me out that there were these child-sized handprints on my mirror when my sister was living there is because I had already had that previous experience with the the child-sized rocking chair. So at this point, I'm like, okay, my room is haunted by children. This is amazing. And then Melissa comes here and she says, oh, somebody died in your room. It might have been a child. I'm like, oh, thank you, Melissa. That's lovely. And obviously after this happened, I immediately put the rocking chair in the basement where it belonged, right? Because that's where we found it. Give the spirit back. Yeah, here you go. Perfect <laughs> place for you to rock. Yeah. Have so, at it. um, when she was, you know, doing the reading of the basement, um, mm. she went into the room where the rocking chair was, and she's mm. like, "Okay, we need to bring this chair out. There's a spirit attached to it. It's the spirit of a child, and it seems like this child died before it ever got to really like use this chair. Like it was a chair that was passed down from generation to generation, and this child's." that's attached to the chair is one that never got to sit in it which is so sad like it's really sad yeah but at the same time i'm like like, please don't let's let's not bring (laughs) the rocking chair back upstairs no no it's down there for eternity i'll never get rid of it yeah it's probably a good idea i feel like they'd be kind of upset and you don't want to it's like a respect thing you know what i mean like we can all live in harmony you just stay in the basement though but yeah, yeah, just stay, <laughs> you stay in your area, I'll stay in mine, you know, because the only reason I go downstairs is to do laundry. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember, like, in high school, I would come over and you're like, God, I have this, like, <laughs> Michigan typical basement where it's, like, really undone, and then I'm like, okay, yeah, like, typical Michigan undone basement. Yeah, like but most then, of us. But then you're like... And there's, like, a sealed-off wall that we <laughs> can't like get down. Hallway. And, you know, just yeah. all these all these weird things. We don't really like to go down there. The dog kind of barks. Oh, my dog yeah. now won't even go down there. She won't. She refuses. I'm like, who is this bitch telling me that she has a regular <laughs> Michigan just basement? a regular Michigan basement. No big deal. And you're like, there's dead bodies in here. <laughs> like, am I really spending the night here? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I. You know what's funny, though, what? is literally yesterday, my dad and I were talking about making a room down there in my studio so we could do this. And I was like, it's perfect. We don't even need decorations. It's already got the ambiance. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about my house. So. Well, thanks for listening <laughs> to our first episode. Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm, uh, if you made it this far. If you made it this mm-hmm. far, then thank you for sticking around. You're the best. That's, See you next time. That's it. And... Oh, always keep it Keep spooky. it spooky.